live from New York, it's Ask an Engineer. Hey everybody, we're back. You thought you were rid of us, but now we can't be kept down. We can't be held back. We can't be crushed underfoot. It's me. First they ignored us, then they fought us, and they made fun of us, then they um then they reply guy you. And then we show up. <laughs> it's me, Lady Ada, with me, Mr. Lady Ada, also known as the comedic relief. Uh we're back hosting Ask Engineer last week was super natty uh yeah, but a lot going on. we're um yeah just to give everyone a heads up we're uh having some of our remote team who have been visited in a while because there was covid and everything going on hard to coordinate uh a bunch of people so we had everyone in town so we just had to uh shift some things around we did show and tell um we'll have some of the segments from last week's uh ask an engineer on this show and then we have a couple catch-up segments we do and then we had uh, Jessica Lady, and we'll talk about that during this week's show and more. Speaking of, uh, let's kick it off. What's the code, Mr. Lady? The code is HUSB, husband. Uh, yeah. You're my husband. Yeah, husband. It's uh, 10% off the native fruit store all the way up to 10.59 p.m. tonight. Use it or lose it. Save a buck or two. We'll also talk about some of the free stuff. We'll talk about some of our live shows, including show and tell. We just had show and tell a few seconds ago. Desk of Lady Ada, we'll have a bit of recap, including the great search. We have JP's product pick of the week. Some time travel news and more going on. We have some advanced manufacturing New York City factory footage. We've got some 3D printing. We have uh, four videos all together tonight because we're catching up from last week. We have some Iron MPI. This week is Texas Instruments, of course, brought to you by DigiKey. We've got some top secrets, some things we wanted to show last week, but we're going to show them this week. New products. We'll answer your questions. We do that on Discord, adafruit.at slash Discord. Go there. That's where we coordinate all of the questions and more because we're broadcasting all over the place every single week in some way, shape, or form. All that and more on, you guessed it, Ask an Engineer. That's us. Okay. So um, for the code, it's HUSB. Use it. You get free stuff. What do they get, Lady Ada? Ah, our freebies are enabled and in action. Uh, we've got a new crop of freebies. $99 or more, you get this beautiful PCB coaster with a gold logo. Comes with bumpers too. I use them around the house. Uh, it's great to have coasters. And if you order more than a couple of times a year, you'll get multiple coasters to complete your set. One forty nine or more, we still have the KB2040 all-in-one dev board for use with the rp2040 chip it's pro micro pinout compatible it's got tons of memory rp2040 chip buttons neopixel stemmyqt port it's a great uh beginner microcontroller board for ups ground shipping orders 200 or more uh we still have ups and we have better rates than ever which means it's even easier for us to offer free shipping when you order 200 bucks on the Adafruit shop. That's right. And then last but not least, we are still doing our promotion with NXP and DigiKey and us. Uh, it's a trifecta of goodness, a uh, triangle of wonderfulness. It's the IMX RT 1011 with micro SD card Metro. Uh, a great way to get started with an amazing crossover processor that gives you 500 megahertz of Cortex M0 deliciousness, 120K of RAM, Eight megabytes of QSPY flash and a built-in micro SD card. And, you know, with CircuitPython support, it's so speedy. Uh, it's a really roomy processor you can use with various Arduino shields or just if you want to experiment with uh, Python on microcontrollers. Yeah. And uh, don't forget, all that stuff works with the discount code 
USB. Okay, we did a bunch of live shows over the last week or so. So to catch you up, uh, the first one we'll talk about is Show and Tell. So Show and Tell, Scott talked ago. about. Yeah, well, we what? Yeah. <laughs> so this week's on Show and Tell, Scott showed some latest updates for some Circuit Python stuff. Where um, yeah. The expressive, what is it, the idea? He's doing the IVF 5.0 and 5.1 update to CircuitPython. So we yeah. adding more chips such as the C6, which he demonstrated. Yeah. And then uh, Jepler had a really cool keyboard. Um, with yeah, the Pico model, inside of it. Model M, it's like a buckling spring keyboard. And they actually ship with an RP2040 Pico in yeah, it. Which means running circuit Python and it's super easy. Out of the box, um, essentially. Uh, and then uh, JP came by. A lot of neat synth and music stuff. Showed a little app that you can do things with. It was called uh, Feud Machine. Fugue, Fugue Machine. <laughs> Fugue Machine. Um, yes, guess what you thought? Well, I don't think you can yeah, do. name of a band. Feud Machine. Aaron Hammer, um, cool necklace. Yeah. yeah see, we're going to show that. Um, it's a guide. It's a guide, and we have a video that we're going to show this week. And then we also had Anne. Anne was showing off um, some of the latest and greatest with the like little Star Trek capacitive uh, touch thing, yeah, touch thing, which is cool. And then uh, Paul came by with this neat Python library that does Shazam, so it gets the mm -hmm. sound, the song, and then it displays it. Yeah. And then they uh, his code too. And then DJ Devin had like a little square of like the Vegas sphere. Yeah. <laughs> it was a cool, yeah, um, a really big display. It was a really neat thing. Um, it's. We were talking about this in the one minute between the show. It's pretty amazing that you can have a matrix display that's driven by a microcontroller now that's like low cost. Uh, this used to be really hard, expensive, and impossible. It used to be you need a full Windows computer, do not run anything on, yeah. you know, or, or you could, well, you could use other computers, but you have an HDMI receiver card and then a transmitter card. It was uh, really tough to do. It was like 500 bucks for the cards and then, you know, like it was very it was to program it you'd have to write code and have it on your windows machine now it's standalone um and one's on an esp32 yeah um so we're going right along um and don't forget show and tells every week 7 30 p.m eastern time every wednesday on sunday we did desk of lady ada because we were catching up on things and we're showing off stuff what was part one of your desk okay well first off i was showing off the um new 2.4 inch TFT Featherwing, which I'm slowly trying to bring out of retirement. Uh, we also showed off a um, Max 3421 e-support in TDUSB. Um, it's got merged in, which means that uh, I can resuscitate this very old Featherwing design for the Max uh, 3421. There's Arduino library, but um, I really wanted TDUSB support, so it would work with Arduino or CircuitPython. And then, of course, the HUSB, which we have in the store today, uh, which is why that's the code. Then we do Desk of Lay Data. This is brought to you by DigiKey, partner with this, and it gets you the things you're looking for on digikey.com. What did you help people find? Yes. Okay. Week? So on the great search this week, uh, we had somebody, because a few weeks ago we covered SWD ports, uh, two by five connectors that go on our feathers, our metros. And somebody's like, hey, is there like a low profile way or a smaller pin version? Of this and i was like oh yeah it's called tag connect um that's very common so i wanted to show off uh tag connects available at digikey you can get a variety of cables and contacts um and it's a you know it's it a, a more not honestly proprietary but it is you can only really get tag connect connectors from this one company i believe they have a patent on the design 
But there's also a, if you don't want to uh, use Tech Connect, there is a way of doing it with SCED connectors. There was a tweet um, by um, Arturo182 and then another person whose name I can't call, showing off that the Worth Electronic SCED uh, connector is a press fit connector that's uh, I think 0.1 inch spacing um, and it also has this, this press fit capability and so if you want to use a non-tag connect version of, of a similar connector um, this is a, an interesting uh, version that you can use uh, for any other press fit needs as well so it's right. it was a twofer okay um, and then we have JP's product pick of the week we're not going to do the week before we're going to do this week's this is when JP shows you something from the product page. The discount's automatically applied. Here's this week's highlight. It is the Cutie Pie ESP32-S3. This is the version that has four megabytes of flash and two megabytes of PS RAM. You can do so much on this. Use CircuitPython, use Arduino. It's got the Wi-Fi built in. This has native USB. I've got my Cutie Pie right there. I have the iSpy BFF there that allows me to plug in an SPI display. Look how quick this thing boots up. I'm gonna go ahead and plug that in and boom, up and running ESP Wi-Fi analyzer. This thing will check the local SSIDs in its area based on the little tiny antenna it has on there and give you a display that tells you about the strength of the Wi-Fi signals that you're seeing. That right there, that is the ESP32-S3 Cutie Pie with four megs of flash and two megs of PS RAM. Don't forget, JP's workshop is tomorrow and then Friday. Sometimes it's in time, sometimes it's Scott. This week it is Scott Deep Dive with Scott. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern. Learn about all the innards of Circuit Python and more. Let's do some time First up, we uh, took the week off for PCB of the day. So um, we've got so many. And you got like 650 PCBs. We've got a lot. So uh, some weeks we try to do a PCB of the day, you know, every day. Sometimes it's like once a week or whatever. Um, but you can check out these uh, little vignettes and movies and stuff that we have. Uh, we're experimenting with voiceover. Uh, it's not AI. Lamore is just a good enunciator. And so um, you might uh, hear the voice of Lady A to talk about what the PCB of the day is. Um, anytime we use those AI tools, we uh, let everyone know. I don't like the robotic voice, so I don't think we're going to do the text-to-speech with the robot voice. I think we're going to do... We have, an, we have a, a workflow. Um, the other thing is this is nice for accessibility because someone could just listen to it and uh, hear some of the things that you can do with uh, whatever chip or whatever thing yeah. it is working on. Okay, let's do some Python on microcontrollers. Okay, first up, before we even jump into the newsletter, we want to say happy trails and more to Katni. It's not goodbye. I was saying in our, in our meeting, it's like, I'll see you on the other server instances. Uh, Katni is the one who came up with Code Plus Community, uh, has been in the CircuitPython community, doing a ton of stuff with Adafruit, getting us this- In the discords. Yeah, the on GitHub, on the Learn Guides. It's PyCon. So um, Katni's not gonna be 
doing stuff with Adafruit, but still in the community, still doing stuff in the world. Uh, I'm sure you'll see uh, all those things Katni's up to. Uh, but we wanted to say thank you so much for everything you've done, Katni. Uh, we're rooting for you and all the things, and I'm glad Adafruit was a stop along an awesome journey. Thank you so much. Um, we'll, uh, yeah. Uh, and everyone in the Discord, uh, I think Katni's in here. Send your shout outs. Please send reports. your shout outs, and we call them hug reports, reports and more. A lot of folks got their um, uh, introduction to Adafruit via Katni. That's right. So, um, and they're doing stuff. So, that's what it is to be a community. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So let's do some newsletter stuff. Uh, I'm going to ask Lady to some questions in a moment. Um, but first, uh, the CircuitPython 826 releases out. It's basically just like certificate stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, you can check that out if you're interested. Lady Ada did an interview on PyCast, and this was a pre-record because it was really hard to find time. So they did a pre-record. And Lamore steps through the uh, library creation using ChatGPT4. Yes. Uh, so far, it's interesting. It seems like we've, um, I think someone had to go first and say, like, here's how we use these tools and here's how we're going to um, uh, show our work. So we post the full prompt logs uh, as Lady Ada interacts with it. And we put that as part of the README in the um, GitHub repository for our open source libraries. And we also disclose all of the stuff um if and when we use any type of ai tool um these things are here to say so we thought well what's the best possible way to to show that we're doing this um if we use things like even copilot we'll we'll say it but we think that's the best way to do it yeah, yeah. i posted my um my my log with um open ai and other people said that they actually enjoyed that because they could learn yeah how, how i you know like if people you know one of the questions in the pie chat they asked was like how did you know this is the prompt to use and i was like well i didn't like it took a yeah. couple tries guys like it was like night number three where i was like wait i finally got the right prompt you know to get it to um write the code from the data sheets and so um you know i chat about that and licensing yeah like, how do you feel about it being able to imitate you and i'm like I think that's great for me. We're, we're in a unique situation, and I and I get that's why I think folks were scared because there's like a big, there's a big gap between like it's the worst thing or it's the best thing, and there's nobody really in the middle talking about like well, all like all bits of technology you can use it for bad stuff, um, and there's crediting and there's sourcing, but in our particular case, the code that Lamore's using is Lamore's code. Yeah. Um, she's just interacting with it with this large language model, which is kind of an interesting use case. There's probably not a lot of people doing it. The best analogy I can think of, um, only because this is probably going to be in the news, is like, so an author who has their stuff somehow in these large language models, um, having it be like a writing partner in some way, mm -hmm. um, or like an assistant in some way. So human plus AI powered things. Um, so we'll see how it goes, but you can watch the whole thing. It's, um, it's, uh, it's on now. But the uh, thing I was going to ask you is IEEE, they do their top programming languages each year. Yeah. And uh, Python continues to you know, pop to the top. And it's usually because of uh, you know, data sciences. Now it is because, or at least in part, um, people are using it for microcontrollers or things like Raspberry Pi. But what's the, um, I'll do five. What's the five programming languages you use on a regular basis, if there is five? Um, and what do you use them for? Because yeah. I feel like you're the you're the poster child for um, 
you know, engineering and programming in a lot of ways. So what are you, what are you using and what are you using it for? Yeah, it's funny I'm looking at these little arrows and they're like SQL. I'm like, why do SQL? I do use it, you know, almost every day, but I don't know the language, but I guess, I guess it's NP complete huh? or uh, not complete. Uh, it's um, turn complete. Um, so for, you know, uh, electronics and the kind of work I do, like I use Python a lot. I use it on desktop and I use it on microcontrollers. I use Arduino, which is C, C++. Um, we do use assembly once in a while, not as much anymore, but I, I do use it. Um, and, you know, JavaScript, we have also JavaScript for my controllers and the TypeScript, um, the device script that recently came out. The, the bulk of it is, you know, Python and C, C++, and then maybe a little smattering of assembly. That's what you're doing right now. That's the most of it, yeah. And then <laughs> for some of these, like, things that you're, like, gluing data together for, um, for, like, web stuff, is that also Python? Python, a lot of it, um, so like data, like data, database or data source manipulation. Yeah, like ironically, like I'm doing S, you know, I do SQL every day because I'm kind of like doing some data analysis stuff on, um, you know, the Adafruit, you know, manufacturing production management side, and you know, I could run write queries in SQL to do it, but honestly, I just I just have the Python iterate through it, and yeah, you know, like instead of trying to like left join. And get that right and i've been using ChatGPT to try to write better queries but honestly i just i use python to like iteratively uh determine stuff and then you know we were doing the open source hardware um yeah that was helpful for me python too. yeah that was helpful for me because i was gonna try to go another way and um instead i used OpenAI's um ChatGPT's uh code tool and I explored a JSON file, kind of asking natural language things. I looked at the Python that it was uh, generating generating to make sure it was like what I wanted. Um, but you know, what's interesting is it, it, I wanted to know when it thought we would get to a certain amount of open hardware certifications, but because it doesn't really know other than the dates of the certification, which are actually when they're approved, um, it's hard to like, oh, linear regression, well, this is the way to do it. Um, but we were beating its its estimate. It's just because Lamore is doing a lot of hardware revision. So that was kind of cool. Okay. Um, so thanks for entertaining my question. I figured I would ask an engineer, um, what languages are you actually using right now? As um, right now, uh, I'll, I'll well, as of right now, the number one certified open source hardware company in the world. We have six hundred ninety five um, certifications. Okay, well, we're not yeah. gonna we're not gonna always be maybe we'll always be the the top certified uh, company. Um, doing uh, releasing designs, but right now we are. Yeah. So 695. We're very close to 700. So I thought this would be a good tie-in. Like, okay, this is this is what you're producing. What are the programming languages you're actually using? And it looks like a lot of Python and a lot of C. Uh, oh, you know, you know, I write um, scripts for you know EagleCAD, and that's also in C, which is kind of funny. Okay. C like, yeah. Okay. It's interesting. All right, so we're getting close. Um, if you want, you can sign up gets delivered to your inbox every single week on adafruitdaily.com. Let's, uh, you know, speaking of open source hardware, we have a bunch of guides, tons of them. Lady Ada, what's on big board this week? Oh, so many guides. Okay, so a uh, new guide from Noe Pedro and Liz of the synth guitar with CircuitPython Synth.io. So this is a remake of one of their older, one of the first projects they did. Yeah. Um, I've been sort of saying like, hey, now's a great time with you know, the prop maker feather, especially a lot of projects that we can remake. Um, so let's remake them. So uh, taking a break from, I mean, we're going to do new stuff, but we're doing a bunch of remakes. Uh, so check that out. There'll be a video for it next week, but you can uh, take a look at the guide if you'd like to look now. It's got like eight 
you know, uh, Cherry MX compatible keys with RG backlights and like three encoders to set change settings, a built-in speaker. Um, it's pretty sweet. Uh, we also have uh, Katni wrapped up the guide for the Metro M7 uh, with microSD. That's that giveaway board we're doing. Yeah. Aaron uh, did a little mini guide on making scannable links for Linktree or Venmo or PayPal we'll with video. NFC. We'll show the video. Have a couple guide updates. And yeah, and these are ones that you can catch up um, from and last week. Fundamentals. Yeah, and the Tombstone Prop Maker. To, so Prop Maker and the 2.8-inch Touch Shield that was updated because now we have the new version. So a bunch of uh, guide updates and a few new ones as well. Yeah, and we're going to show the video from Aaron in just a second, but I did want to mention that we also have Playground. Um, we don't know what we're going to call these. These might be like poster show and tells in the playground but these are um guides that anyone can write uh, like i wrote this one and i'm also an author on learn but you anyone yeah. can make guides that appear on the playground. So this is teaching our kid different language with uh some kids books and so this is so everyone kept asking i really like the learn system can i make guides there and uh one of the things we don't want to do is do uh it's not a ding on like uh hackster or instructables um, we don't want to turn our site into a contest site or have like interstitials or you have to log in to see the whole thing or there's ads everywhere. We wanted just to have like the best place to author. Um, so we're releasing the authoring tool for learn in a very, um, one step at a time way. So you can make the same type of guides that we have on learn.adafruit.com. Um, but you don't have to be an official guide writer. You get to do that yourself. We're calling it playground. These are like show and tells, and these are just like fast, lightweight ways. They're just single, single page notes that you can make and yeah. you can make as many as you want. Um, stuff that doesn't really fit in the learning system. Yeah, some it's like text, a, some images. Here's here's storage boxes. Um, here's 3D Hangouts this week. Um, by the way, we respect you not track. That's why. Yeah, that's why it doesn't show yeah. up. Yeah. So it's always, it's, I always get asked, like, why does it have that on the side? It's like, yeah, we actually we actually do that. So you can check this out. Um, it's a very quick, easy way. And anyone can um, start to do it. Yeah, and like I, you know, I wanted to, when I sent you the links, so we'll post later, as I, I do want to, I will promise, and you can always link to this video, yeah. that there will not be interstitial ads. There will not be pop-ups. There will not be toast. Yeah. There will not be signed in to see more. There will not be that annoying fade out where you're like reading and it's like to see the rest of the article. You scroll and like the text drops off and it's, yeah. yeah. So the, the so all, we're not going to do that. Yeah. And the reason why we're Never. not going to do that is because we have a business model, which is like buy some hardware, buy some electronics from us. That's the best way to support us. And it's open source. Yeah. Um, so, and you know, a lot of the people who work first, this is, we'll never, we pay them. We'll never have a thing that says donate $2 or Jimmy Wells is going to die. Like, <laughs> and that, yeah, that. we're just doing something a little different. Um, different. It's is, okay. They can do that. It's cool. Yeah. It, is it a, is it, is there money being left on the table? Yes, but we don't want to um, monetize all of y'all with your personal data in any way. So that's what we're so doing. Have your ad blocker on or have it off. Does don't matter. matter. And I won't have the thing. I hate the thing that's like, you have an ad blocker. It's like, yeah, I do. Yeah. Because it's impossible to use your site without one. Yeah, we don't want to track you and do any of those things. No, no, no. Um, no, 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 no. All we want to do is serve the great content that folks are writing. Um, Anyways, this is my promise. That's what we're doing, yeah. No Christmas trees. <laughs> no sign up to see content. Yeah. All right, let's uh, play Aaron's video. 
For today's project, we're using NFC tags to create scannable business cards and tap-to-pay Venmo links. Use the free NFC Tools app to program your tag. You can program it to launch any URL on an iPhone or Android smartphone. I programmed mine with my Linktree info, so new friends can follow me on any of my social media links. These tags are small and light enough to hide just about anywhere on your outfit. Connecting just got a lot easier. Just tap any NFC-enabled smartphone to the tag and watch the magic happen. You can also create tap-to-pay Venmo links to make money transfers a breeze. See a full build tutorial at learn.adafruit.com and remember to click that subscribe button for more fun projects. All right, let's do some factory footage. factory footage we're gonna do some 3d printing and we're doing some ketchup and mustard and mayonnaise oh, uh, I'm <laughs> um so we're gonna play these videos back to back okay uh, there's the uh tombstone video this glowing thing and then a halloween uh overview so let's uh play them on we'll see you on the other side yeah i'll see you soon you can build an interactive tombstone for Halloween with Adafruit's RP2040 Prop Maker Feather. Happy Halloween! <laughs> this ghoulish prop features an RGB LED matrix, NeoPixels, sound effects, and a servo-controlled raven. It uses a time-of-flight sensor to detect whenever someone gets close and triggers the sound effects, the servo, and NeoPixels. I smell children. The RGB LED matrix displays a scrolling message to warn or welcome would-be trick-or-treaters. The tombstone is an off-the-shelf styrofoam prop. It's easy to work with, so we were able to cut out channels and recesses for the wires and electronics. The RP2040 Prop Maker Feather does most of the work, and the matrix feather wing makes it easy to plug in an RGB LED matrix. CircuitPython has built-in support for RGB matrices using the Display.io library. The code features adjustable parameters, so you can customize just about every attribute in this project. You can get the parts to build this project, links are in the description. The Raven is 3D printed and hollow for fitting the servo and NeoPixels. The Time of Flight sensor breakout has a protective sticker over the sensor that'll need to be removed. The Matrix Featherwing is set up with headers for plugging onto the bottom of the RP2040 Prop Maker Feather. The two can then be plugged into the Hub75 socket on the back of the RGB LED Matrix. A hot wire foam cutter is used to create the opening for the RGB Matrix display and a piece of black LED acrylic diffuses the LEDs. 
The two NeoPixel buttons are wired together for adding a glowing effect to the demon atop the tombstone. The eyes are then carved out for the LEDs to shine through. A speaker is fitted into another recess with a press-fit cover to keep it in place. The time-of-flight breakout also has an opening for the sensor with an accompanying back cover. A piece of foam core is secured to a servo horn that press-fits into the head of the 3D-printed Raven. An additional set of NeoPixels are wired together and fitted onto another piece of foam core with a cutout to secure the servo motor. The Raven's head is then press-fitted onto the piece of foam core. Additional extension cables are used for the servo motor and NeoPixels. Pieces of black conduit is used to help keep the wires bundled together and hidden. The feathers on board STEMIQT port and screw block terminals make it easy to connect the various components. Everything gets powered by a 5 volt 4 amp switching power supply so it can haunt all night. We had a lot of fun building this project and hope it inspires you to check out Adafruit's RP2040 PropMaker Feather and CircuitPython.
And that's the Halloween inspiration. Spookalicious. You have plenty of time to start on your Halloween projects, either for this year or next. It's fine. It totally works. A um, little bit of a break. Don't forget the code is HUSB. Let's do some uh, INMPI. Okay. INMPI. INMPI brought to you by DigiKey. Thank you, DigiKey. And this week it's Texan Sister Minutes. Lady Ida, what is the new product introduction of the week? this week okay this week we are back with a classic ti they make such cool stuff and we're going to be looking at their tmux series of analog switches uh they come in tsop they also come in qfn but this is the, the icon they've got on the, on the jiki site um so the tmux 821 series is a spst analog switches um they are a fully solid state uh not the same as a relay or even a, a solid state relay. These are analog switches that are meant to pass analog signal back and forth, but they're much, much faster than relays. They don't have a mechanical um, situation. They don't click and they don't get oxidation. Um, and uh, they're definitely a lot smaller and less expensive than solid state relays. Uh, you know, they, you saw the package is just like a 16 or you know, 18 TSOP goes on your board and it can switch bi-directionally signals that can go up to 100 volts, which is very high. This is a particularly high voltage um, analog switch. And then you can control the switch open or close with your know, logic levels of way below 100 volts. It goes down to 1.8 volts. So let's take a look at what we've got here. Um, so you are familiar with your standard push button switches. You want to connect uh, analog signal back and forth. You can use a push button switch or a slide switch, a uh, toggle switch. Um, Digiki has tons of those. If you don't mind, you know, having a, a you know mechanical connection, uh, these work really great. You want to switch um, audio signals from, you know, a headphone to um, speaker, and you don't mind having a button or a switch. You know, go for it. We'll do the job quite well. Um, and there's like you know hundreds and hundreds of thousands of options as well. This is the push button switches, but for toggles and slide switches, um, there's also a ton of options. But these are mechanical switches, and so somebody has to like mechanically press the button or flip a switch. Like I said, you can use a relay, uh, but relays are really really big, and they're loud and clicky, uh, and they do fail after a while because they eventually oxidize. And so an analog switch is kind of like a, a you know. A mysterious and mystical thing. It acts just like your everyday normal mechanical switch, except that the thing that connects or disconnects is a signal, a digital signal. Um, in this case, they are implemented by having two um, back-to-back NFET and PFETs, and um, you know by manufacturing this on your silicon and doing a good job with. Um, the isolation and the specifications, you can have it be a bi-directional switch. So signal can go back and forth between the two sides. So, which is interesting. Most people think of, you know, a FET switch, a PFET or NFET switch as sort of a, a unidirectional, you want to send, um, connect a source voltage to a uh, supply, sorry, a source voltage to a sinking, volt, um, sinking load. You can do that with a switch. But in this case, you actually have, you know, true analog bidirectional communication. And in this case, it even goes at a much, um, it can go at a fairly high voltage, 100 volts of common mode between the two. 
One nice thing about having analog switches is you don't get switch bounce. So like I mentioned, you know, relays are often used in such situations, but um, you have, especially for telecom, but you will get chatter, you're going to get oxidation and they will fail eventually. Whereas what's nice about these analog switches is um, you don't have, you know, when, when they switch, they switch on pretty much instantaneously. So you can switch back and forth multiple times after worrying about oxidation or switch failure, but there are some downsides. So one downside is that when you're dealing with a mechanical switch, when it's closed versus open, it's basically either a short, like almost zero ohms, 0 0.001 ohms or so. And when it's open, it's infinite ohms. There's like no connection between the two contacts. When you're dealing with a analog switch, there's always going to be some resistance. So when it's closed, it's not zero resistance or even 0 0.001, it's five ohms, which is like not a small amount. And in this case, it is also, yeah, I think it's like seven to 10 ohms. You can get very low RDS, uh, sorry, R on analog switches. This one is medium. Um, you know, I did compare this with the CD4066, a common low cost analog switch. And that was like 120 ohms. So this isn't too bad, five ohms or so. And when it's open, it's not truly, truly open. Uh, you do have some uh, leakage between the two. In this case, it's 10 mega ohms, for example. You can find the specifications for the actual um, on and off resistances are in the data sheet. Uh, in this case, the on resistance is, yeah, it's about you know five to 10 ohms, depending on the temperature. Um, it is pretty consistent, like you're not going to get a high variation with temperature, which is kind of nice. Uh, some switches, make sure you check the, check the spec sheet with temperature and voltage. The, you know, the specified resistance on the front page of the data sheet may go up quite a bit. And then uh, you can see the drain off leakage. So that's how much current will uh, leak between um, the A and B contacts. Another thing to watch out for with analog switches is you do have to it seems obvious in you know hindsight but if you have a mechanical switch the voltage that you use to turn on off say the relay does not relate to the voltage that you're switching you know you can turn on off the relay with three volts and then when you're um uh, switching sorry you this the voltage you're using to turn on and off the relay can be like three to five volts and the voltage it's switching can be up to like 220 volts ac uh in this case you do have to provide with these analog solid state uh, switches a plus and minus voltage that covers the total voltage that you're planning to have on the a and b pins so for example you want to switch a voltage um analog voltage that can go as high as you know plus minus 12 volts um you'll have to provide vdd with 12 volts and vss with negative 12 volts so you'll have to cover that total voltage because you have to have your MOSFETs conduct. So watch out for that. Don't assume like, oh, my logic level is 1.8 volts, so I'm going to give it 1.8 volt for the VDD. No, it has to be as high as the highest voltage you're planning to put through the analog switch. Okay, next up, they are not isolated. Uh, it seems kind of obvious, but, you know, uh, compared again to relays or switches where you have some uh, physical space or plastic between you and the voltage, that's not going to happen here. It's all on one chip. So you can get a separate digital isolator. You know, I just quickly looked up on ti.com and this came up. Um, there's silicon and opto isolating. Um, either will work just great. 
But there are some nice things that are, uh, you know, like I wanted to give you the downsides of like, hey, watch out for these things. I have definitely been bit by some of them. But some of the good things are um, I like little details, like they have uh, the built-in uh, pull-down resistor, so they're automatically enabled or disabled by default. Uh, there's a nice fail-safe um, so that if you apply voltage to the selection pins and for some reason the voltages aren't on the power pins, um, you won't blow up your chip. I have absolutely done that. So kind of nice to see that. There's also a uh, design for latch up immunity, which is going to be very handy. You do not want your switches to latch. Um, like I said, the pull down resistors are built in and you can run them off of very low uh, logic. Sometimes the logic used to switch has to be similar to the voltages that are the highest and lowest uh, VDD and VSS. In this case, you can just use your normal microcontroller voltage, but you can also go up to 48 volts. So if you are using a microcontroller, if you're using some signal coming in from your product or project, uh, you might be able to use the working voltage if it's like 24 or 48 volts. Um, there's three variations, the 8211, 8212, Uh, The only difference, the pinouts are the same. The only difference is whether they're uh, normally connected, normally open, or alternating normally open and normally connected. Nope. In stock right now, all three versions. So, uh, and lots of them in stock too, which is kind of nice. Uh, sometimes I'm like, no, there's only two, uh, and they sell out. But uh, in this case, um, very handy, really useful often for audio, video. Um, I don't know if this would be necessarily good for USB. You should check the whether the high speed rating would be uh, useful for it. But definitely AV switching, um, analog switches, or test equipment you want to connect like different voltages around not good for switching big power supplies but i think you do about 200 milliamps and that's this week's on npi we're gonna roll right in new products new 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 it's now it's time for a new what's new coming soon uh, the 805693, we've had requests for more bits on the DAX. People are always emailing you. You know that email you get every day? Where's my 16-bit DAC? Where's my bits on the DAC? More bits. We have a 12-bit DAC. Now we have a 16-bit DAC coming soon, but we got some photos taken. And then we have some round displays that are coming soon. These are going to go fast to sign up. Ooh, they're in stock, but we don't have the driver board. But I did want to mention that if you want to pick these up, um, I will mention again that the connector used is not the standard 40 pin connector for TFTs, but our upcoming Qualia S3 board is going to plug into them. Yeah, nice. maybe buy it and then just uh, hang on to it for a couple of weeks, then we'll have the yeah. boards for maybe it. Maybe we'll go to the overhead real fast and I can just show that what this goes with. So yeah. you do need a special board to drive these with in this really? case. We, you know, we're just coming yeah. soon. Like these like hot off the press, so they're not in the store yet. Um, but you'll be able to uh, connect these. Yes, we're trying to make it easy because there's companies that sell like interesting displays, but um, nope. nothing nothing works. The yeah code you get doesn't work, or it's just only that demo. Yeah. So we're trying to make sure that folks have you know something. Yeah. That they can build off of and have. yes so that's going to be the board that's going to be the yeah it's going to be the board uh rgb 666 that's what these i'm going to call these rgb 666 because they're 18 bit yeah. color so we've got both the capacitive and non-capacitive round touch uh we'll have demos and videos for these soon but just uh yeah. just letting you see the scale moving as fast as possible so that's why uh you're seeing these things going to the store as coming soon or or in the store as we're getting the board to drive them yes okay uh next up 
next up there's a revision to uh the 3d um hand sensor um so this is um for gesture uh detection and motion um it's from ultra leap so it's their new i think the 3di is the model number um the new thing is it comes with a, a mount now instead of a tripod so um on the back look at the third photo yeah this uh, multi-mount comes with it um so it's easier to attach to like a monitor or to the wall or to a table uh, before it came with a tripod probably was easier to accidentally have it fall off the table now it's like more mechanically secure next up next up we've got uh some handy usb cables that have a display built into them uh so if you stop here you'll see uh, this is a close-up so this is a um android phone that's plugged into a wall adapter that is able to provide seven watts of power for usb a this is a you know it's a USB A to USB C, so you're not going to get uh, power delivery with a lot of wattage. Um, although this cable can handle 66 watts, but if you might have quick charge, uh, but for the most part, it's good for, you know, your five volt, one, two, maybe three amp uh, output current capability. This is useful because you know a lot of times your phone or your device has maybe some special charging capability, but it has to match up with the um, charger that can provide that quick charge or you know usb power delivery and you can't really tell how fast it's charging like you can see like it's charging or it's not but you can't tell is it doing a better job with this adapter or the other and so what's nice about this is that it just shows you a number the higher the number the faster it's charging so if you have multiple chargers around the house you know use this plug into all of them and whichever one is giving you the highest number that's the best match um you know there's nothing like a usb cable standard to come up with more standards that are all incompatible. So um, this is just another example plugging into a, a power brick that can provide seven watts and then her laptop also. Um, we'll also have a USB C to C version of this cable, and that will, of course, be able to do much, much more power because USB C can easily go up to 100 watts. Okay, start of the show besides you, Lady, our team, our customers, and entire community that makes things that can go is the H USB 238. Yay! I've been working on this for a couple of years. It suffered from a silicon shortage and now it's back. This is a really cool chip. Um, so we like USB power delivery here. It's a great alternative to infinite DC power jacks in a bin in your basement or under your bed. Um, or, you know, having USB-A cables that can only provide you with five volts, maybe two amps max. So USB power delivery for USB type C, and we have a guide all about it, um, can give you up to 20 volts and up to three or five amps, depending on the whether the cable can handle it. And that's really great because a lot of times you have, say, like a monitor you were showing me and it needed, you know, 18 volts, three amps. And you're like, where am I going to find an 18 volt adapter? Well, if you have USB power delivery, um, it's easy. You have only one adapter and that adapter can provide any voltages you need. So um, let's go to the overhead real fast and I'll show power delivery, power supply. So this is a power delivery capable power supply. And you'll see here, I mean, this has a, a couple outlets. That's why you're, you're like, why is there so many numbers? Because it can do 100, 120, and then this is an 18 watt um, adapter. So um, you see here on the USB-C, it's like, ah, I can do up to 100 watts, 5 volts, 3 amps, 9 volts, 3 amps, 12 volts, 3 amps, 15 or 20, um, up to 5 amps. But you're like, how do I actually get that out? If you use a normal USB-C cable, um to your device unless you know how to request those higher voltages you'll always just get the five volts so you need a chip 
that talks to or firmware that talks to the PD um, source chip in here, you do the sync chip, talk to the source chip and say, hey, I want you to give me 20 volts. It's not going to give you 20 volts by default. It'll always give you 5 volts default and you have to request the higher voltages. And that's where the HUSB comes in. So if you look at the uh, top of this board, by default, you'll see there's a jumper that says 5 volts. If you cut that jumper and solder close the 9, 12, 15, or 18, or keep it open and it does 20, it'll automatically request from the power supply that voltage that you wanted. And on top of that, it also has a USB, uh, sorry, I squared C interface that you can use. And we have a library written in Arduino that you can tell it, the chip, hey, what voltages are available? And then you can pick and choose dynamically changing the voltage. So, you know, your, your robot or your motor or whatever starts out uh, and you're like, well, let's try nine volts. And then some at some point they're like, wait, I need even more power. You can boost it up to 15 or 20. Um, and you can adjust back and forth based on what's available. So let's look at this demo I've got. So I've got here, let me do this. No, let me, hold on. Live demo, it's live demo time. Uh, how do I rotate? Trying to do. I was going to have this be not upside down, but I think I can't. So I'm just going to hold this and do this. Okay. Good enough. I want to focus. Science. Okay. So I've got here uh, the HUSB, and this is plugged into one of these wall adapters I just showed off with the USB-C ports and it can provide multiple voltages. And then um, I have here a, this is just an ESP feather. I just chose it because it has a nice display. It is communicating over I squared C. I've got it wired up to I squared C and it's requesting different voltages. And then if I plug into here, no, if I plug into, sorry, I gotta read this. Okay, this isn't a ground. Um, and I have my multimeter and my multimeter is, Working. There you go. Uh, you can see that the voltage coming out is, in fact, going from 9, 12, 15, up to 20, and then it cycles back to 5. So you can dynamically, you know, change whatever voltage you want. You request what's available, and then you can cycle through it. Um, but if you don't want to use a microcontroller, you don't have to. So try unplugging this. Um, if you... Hold on, I have to reset this because it was just, you know, it, just, it was just programmed over I squared C. Um, so by default, I have this jumper. You see, I, I tried every jumper setting. I have the 12 volt jumper set. And so by default, it will now give me 12 volts output. So you don't need a microcontroller. I, you do need to power cycle it if you just programmed it over I squared C. But by default, it will go with what the jumper says. And then over I squared C, you can set it to something else. So it's kind of the best of cool. all worlds for USB PD. It's inexpensive. I've got this nice, um, chunky pass transistor here and um, set it with jumpers if you like, and it's fixed. You can solder in a terminal block if you like, or use I squared C and you have, you know, a, a more uh, dynamic, uh, customizable USB PD experience. So you know, either way, also you can use it with a microcontroller and not use the I squared C. You can use it to get your voltage and then, um, you know, this could do some, some other work with the, um, uh, over USB because I have the D minus and D plus lines brought out here. So this could be your main 
connection for USB-C, and then this goes to your microcontroller. Just one, I just got to warn people, this V plus pin, don't forget, it can go up to 20 volts. So if you're using this to power your project, you need a regulator that can take up to 20 volts if you request it and bring it down to 3.3 or 5 volts. Okay. And that's new products. A long description, but I think it was worth it. Mm -hmm. okay, okay, don't forget the code is HUSB. Um, we're going to do a little bit of top secret. Um, you can post up your questions in the chat in Discord. Make sure it's in Discord. And if uh, there's questions that come in later after we're out, don't worry. Put them there. We're around. The community's around. Um, but do make sure that you're doing it on Discord, adafruit.it slash Discord. That's where we collect all the questions. So let's do a little bit of top secret. While you do your questions in the chat, if there are, I'm going to do just a couple seconds of some of the videos that we were playing, um, and then I'll play the the full one for um, the Star Trek animated series. So this is what we were doing during Star Trek Day for these displays. All right, Lady Data, what is this? Okay, well, in honor of Star Trek Day, we are playing all sorts of different Star Trek uh, intro videos yeah. on this 480 by 480 TFT, and uh, those are the specs for playing a 30 frame per second Cinepack, uh, which if people remember was um, a file format that was used in games and I think DVD intro screens uh, and a couple other use cases. Yeah, um, so it's Cinepack encoded into an AVI with MP3 as the um, audio format. And this is a way, I don't want to say. Lady, what is this? Spack. <laughs> I'm playing video on an ESP32 S3. Uh, this is uh, Moon on Our Nation, which is a, a matching username on GitHub, made a way to play videos by having an app. Really, dude, that's what people wanted. This might be some sort of thinking computer. So this is uh, the fourth video we're doing with uh, Star Trek Day, and this is the animated series and the Kazinti, uh, which are evil and slightly goofy cat beings. Yep. Cool. And that's top secret. That's what, what we were showing part of uh, during Star Trek Day. And uh, we were off last week, so I wanted to show some of those this week. Let's go to your questions. Hit me. Yeah, uh, we got a couple lined up. Do this right away. Let me uh, get us in the. Here we go. Uh, how do you decide if a product is worth making and how many units to make, especially early on when it's potentially a bigger decision? Do you just start hand assembling orders you receive? No. <laughs> no, I haven't hand assembled in a long time. I think the last time I hand assembled stuff was um, when we were doing the. Uh... ADXL335. I did hand assemble the first SMT boards that we sold. Um, but uh, I, I try to make about 250 pieces. I find that's a really good um, spot where it's like, you know, it's enough people that if there's issues, I'm going to find out about them really fast. But I'm also able to, um, you know, if it does work out, I think I have enough in stock to to get them to people. I don't know how to explain it, but like 250 pieces. Yeah, we also have prototypes that come in and our team tests and use. Uh, often our team is working on guides or 
we're doing photography. Yeah. So we have a little bit of a cushion, but usually that seems to be the number of like, let's get some out in the market. If there's any revisions or iterations or anything that comes up, we can make different decisions. Um, might be different for different folks out there. Um, you know, we sell, we have thousands of orders a day. So um, sometimes they go very fast and the folks are like, but I want to buy more. And we're like the next, the next batch is coming in, but that seems to be yeah. the amount. Um, little bit of a kudos three pro three protos 250 boards yeah no. kudos for you um an hsb live demo uh, with your explanatory explanatory chops yes deeply inspiring yeah this is a cool product it's this, a very cool chip this is really neat and but i want to just i guys to explain it all and then warn people like you're gonna blow up your thing if you just like it's not it's not five volts anymore it's not 20 volts um next up what do you think the maximum number of matrix panels on the matrix portal s3 world drive i'm up to 12 which is uh six more than i thought <laughs> um you know actually phil b did the math and then i totally i think we got super busy and i forgot to update the guides but i think it is around 12. i think you, you might be you might be pushing up against it's, it's not it's not the um it's not the memory uh because you're using ps ram but it is the um amount of um dithering you can do before you like the screen starts looking kind of crummy because you you can't dither fast enough yeah okay thank you okay. the questions for okay all right um so i normally don't have um sad news but once in a while we do um this is about a person that y'all are probably familiar with uh tony decola worked with us at adafruit five, six years ago. Um, you might remember uh, the series, Watch Tony D's Desk. Uh, this is a, a series of videos and shows and live streams that um, we're preserving uh, on YouTube and also all of Tony's guides. Uh, Tony died um, a few weeks ago. Um, I'll post up the obituary in the Discord chat. Uh, we've reached out to the uh, family and we got some information. And we wanted to pay our respects and also dedicate this episode and also sure everyone we're going to be keeping Tony's guides around and Tony's videos. I know that was important to Tony. Every memory I have of Tony, this is uh, one of the photos I got of uh, Lady Ada and Tony at Maker Faire. Um, always sharing, always uh, in the community, always doing things. And I just wanted to, to share this news. We got this. We were devastated. We tried to uh, find out this you know obviously a private family matter but there is more information now and it's now uh, on a website that has the obituary so i thought this would be the proper time and place to do this adafruit donated to the um charities that the family said this is the washington alpine club tony was an avid mountain climber and the seattle international film festival and i just wanted to um send my thoughts to the family and i know tony impacted a lot of folks he was uh, doing a lot of stuff in the very early stages of us doing python on hardware um people still review his videos and learn a lot he started the newsletter started the newsletter was, with us and the first circuit python, yeah python guide and you know the tony's legacy lives on here um but uh thank you uh to the team that got us this news and was able to to send over uh, more information and i'll post that in the chat but um that's our show for tonight and i just wanted to uh dedicate this to the memory of tony